Welcome back to another episode of Talk and Shop. I am your host, Gary Putnick, and today I'm joined by the FSVU's Alex Krutchik and Austin Reynolds. In today's show, we discuss FSU football's upcoming battle in Death Valley against the Clemson Tigers. Also, we get into some FSU soccer and their upcoming matches this week against number 20 Virginia Tech and number one Virginia. Let's jump right into it. All right, and we are back, and we are joined by Alex Krutchik of the FSVU NV89 and Austin Reynolds of the FSVU NV89. So we got two but two-way players on this show today, along with myself. So how are you guys doing? How are you guys feeling for Clemson week? I'm finally ready to get this bye week over with. Mm-hmm. I'm a little more optimistic than I was, say, half an hour ago after watching the, uh, the Jameis Winston locker room speech from a few years back, but still uh, have my reservations. Yeah, I know we were, Alex brought it up when before we started recording that he watched it and it got kind of got him amped up and it kind of swayed you. You kind of weren't on the side that FSU has a chance this weekend, but now you are? Yeah, well, you know, it's been, you get the extra bye week, which mm-hmm. gives you way more time to overthink things and see tweets and stats and just analysis from other people around the nation and I started to talk myself into it and then I made the mistake of watching that Jameis Winston speech and then I think that you said that you did the same thing and so now you and I were kind of saying that we're kind of believing in FSU this Mm -hmm. week a little bit more than we were and then Austin said he was completely not on board and then we showed him the video and he's a little bit there. He's turned a bit. Yeah. A little bit. I think for the past three years I've done this. I think freshman year which was the 2017 season i was on the side that i was like okay we like going into the week i was like eh, i don't think we really have a chance but every time i get a little bit deeper into these weeks i start talking myself into it and i did a really good job of all last week not thinking about it not thinking about that fsu had a chance this game not thinking about that clemson might have a chink in their armor but and i was good yesterday i was good yesterday i did it well on the show i didn't crack but today, I got to talking with some people, and I think I've talked myself into that FSU has a chance this weekend. And uh, I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I do this to myself every single time as a fan, but FSU has a chance, and I've talked myself into it again. <laughs> I, I know, Austin, you're not on our side. Tell me why we shouldn't be in the position we are right now. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to understand your side more than I was, but like... Clemson's defensive line and the matchup against FSU's offensive line is a clear mismatch. Their D-line has not missed a, has not skipped a beat since putting three guys in the NFL in the first round alone and losing, I believe, two more starters from last year. Um, and our, rather, FSU's offensive line, really, the their play speaks for itself. Uh, very inconsistent from game to game. Uh, Blackman and Hornibrook can expect to be on the ground for more than they would like. Um, that's That's really the biggest question mark for me, or the biggest exclamation mark, really, for why I don't believe that FSU can win this game. See, I still think there's a chance, because Clemson's struggled in some games. They, I know they played Texas A&M well. They only gave up 10 points to the Aggies, 24-10 in Death Valley. They handily beat Syracuse. They handily beat Charlotte. But they struggled against UNC. Yes, and this did. UNC game keeps sticking out, and that's their most recent game. And they had a bye week as well this past week. So they've had a lot of time to prepare for the Seminoles, and that's what is concerning, but also a bit, yeah, it's more concerning than I think anything, because Venables and Sweeney and all the boys down there, up there, 
have had this time to kind of mull over Florida State, see what Hornibrook could bring to the table in the short time that he has, he will have in this game. We'll get into that later on the QB situation. but And the rest of this offense, and especially attacking with Cam Akers. But I still think there's a chance. I don't know how, I don't know if this D-line that they brought, that is a lot of new guys, a lot of guys that haven't had as much experience as the Power Rangers did with Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, and all those boys last year. I don't know if there. I still think there's spots where they can be exposed. Alex, back me up here. <laughs> yeah, I. So I completely agree with everything that Austin says. I can't argue against any of those things, any of those points. What I will say is there's two things that go into an upset like this. It's winning the turnover battle, getting timely turnovers, and big plays. Uh, FSU is not going to be able to sustain long drives against Clemson. They're not going to be able to march down the field five yards at a time because Clemson is going to end drives very quickly. However, FSU is second in the ACC and 10th in the nation with 85 plays of 10-plus yards against FBS teams. Who's first in the, in the ACC? Is it Clemson? Uh, let me look that up. Okay, it's I, not, but it's, you don't think it's Clemson? Because um, I was about to say, there's a chance it could be Clemson, but also not that great of a chance because Lawrence hasn't been playing up to his potential this year. No, and that was my next point mm-hmm. is the turnover margin the turnover battle first for the FSU side FSU hasn't allowed a turnover in three games uh, Virginia was the last game that they allowed a turnover to since that Virginia game they are they have a plus six advantage and overall throughout the season they're plus five which is third in the ACC and 17th in the NCAA and that plus six could easily be plus 11 or 12 if a, if a couple guys just hold on to the ball against yes. NC State oh mm-hmm. they were all over the place against NC State well those were some tough plays granted against NC State it was like the ball just tipped off some hands or just got by some hands that it takes a real keen eye and a keen player to actually react that quickly and it's very difficult so there's a bit of leeway on those turnovers but there's maybe one or two of them that should have been caught right and, but also, I would just like to add what you guys said. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been doing great this season. And you're right. His touchdown-to-interception ratio is 8-5. to five. five interceptions is an interception per game. Mm-hmm. And he had four all of last season. And I know we talked, uh, Austin and I, we talked with Amy McKenna of, or was it Tiger Vision? Yes. And down, up there in Clemson, their student TV station. And she's not, she wasn't too worried when we asked her about the, his sophomore slump. She was kind of, She was on the side that, oh, he hasn't played as much time because he really hasn't. He only plays really in the first half, but and he played in the first half or the full game in the A and M game and the uh, UNC game. Right. But he hasn't played. But still, I think you shouldn't be throwing five picks. He, I remember in the first game of the year he threw a pick against. Was it Pitt? It was Pitt, correct? I think it was Georgia Tech. Oh, it was Tech. Yes, you're right. Sorry, I got the blue and golds confused there for a second. But he threw a pick early in that game and I was like that's not supposed to happen especially in Georgia Tech exactly, like yeah. that was a bit confusing I'd be like I thought for a second I was like is he gonna have a sophomore slump and then I was, and I was like no no I'm not gonna worry about that Trevor Lawrence is gonna be good the Dolphins will have him in a couple of years it's not gonna be that big of an issue <laughs> so I do you think he's gonna be do you think something's gonna turn off like his, the switch is gonna come on for him in this game and he's really gonna go back to freshman year Trevor if there was a time to do it, it would be after the bye week where they've had time to review film um, of their own and against FSU. I don't know that it'll happen. Um, I would <laughs> I would think that he stays mostly for the course, maybe throwing three touchdowns to a pick. Jeez, that's going to be tough if he's throwing three touchdowns because especially 
with Travis Etienne in the backfield. Yes, he's almost guaranteed. He's almost good for two touchdowns. I'd say maybe in this game. It all depends. Right, and the FSU rush defense has certainly looked a lot better. Yes, hopefully, mm-hmm. the bye week has let them improve even more. But if they regress back to where they were against Boise State, Virginia. Even ULM, it's going to be a very ugly day on the ground. Yeah, if they let Travis Etienne run like Josh Johnson ran for ULM, it's it's going to be bad. It's it'll be weird. It'll be it won't be a pleasant day in Death Valley, and it's not called Death Valley for its pleasant for being a nice place. <laughs> but I think when you look at the rest of this game, you're really going to have to take into account the receiver matchup against Florida State's corners and safeties and DBs, because if Florida State decides to go man coverage a lot of the time, which I'd hope they don't for this one, it's going to be bad. T. Higgins is going to be all over the place, and T. Higgins could have three of those touchdowns that Trevor Lawrence throws in Austin's prediction. So I just want to get your take on what this DB wide receiver matchup is for FSU and Clemson. Yeah, I agree with you. I hope they don't go man. I think man is for win. Your talent outmatches the other guy's talent across from you. And so far this year, I think that that has always been the case, where the FSU DBs are better than any wide receiver they faced, so they should have gone man. This is one of those situations where you're going to have to play some zone. And they've looked mm-hmm. a little bit better in the zone in the last couple of games, but still not exactly where you want them to be. It's It'll definitely be a struggle for them. Yeah. And zone is frustrating when you're fighting to get back into a game, but I feel like that's the way you should go starting off, because like you said, Alex, our guys... Or FSU's guys, unfortunately, do not match up against Clemson's receivers, so that's just the safest play right out the gates. Mm-hmm. And I believe T. Higgins, their Clemson's top receiver, has 505 yards, mm-hmm. three touchdowns, on 22 catches, averages, who averages 23 yards a catch, right? That's... Which is just stupid. Mm-hmm. Those are stupid numbers. I believe the man is 5'4". He is significantly taller than all of FSU's DBs. Correct me if I'm wrong there. I think FSU's tallest DB maybe is six. Like, what? You said 5'4". Do you mean 6'4"? Six six, sorry. Yeah, I don't know why I said 5'4". <laughs> that would be awful if, if he was, was significantly taller than 5'4". Kind of taking it back. That's my bad. No, he is 6'4", 215 pounds according to ESPN. Mm-hmm. But he is leaps and bounds taller than majority of FSU's defensive backs. And he will have a field day if it's in man. It will be just Trevor Lawrence won't have to do too much. All he'll have to do is throw the ball up, and D. Higgins will come down with the ball. So I don't know where... FSU's de- there maybe they're going to run more cover two for this one cover two is probably the most likely of the scenarios for their defensive schemes but or the most I wouldn't say I don't know if it's most likely but it's going to give them the best result for this one do you guys agree with that or not I would say so I mean that's it's really just harping back to what we've said like man coverage is not the way to go here mm-hmm. so, yeah so. I, I don't know I don't know what more to say yeah no it's it's going to be a bit weird Awesome. what would you have it sound like you got you were ready to say something there no it's just um I I hope that they're just as on the ball as they were against NC State mm-hmm. hopefully they can actually get their hands on the ball more yes. and just get the interceptions that they're supposed to and they don't let these drives uh, continue because against NC State it was just frustrating uh, against Clemson, it could be the killer for you. Yeah, and if you these, don't hold on to those. And these games, these tough games, these rivalry games, when FSU is playing up to their comp, has to play up to their competition. It these games come down to one play. It's one play, just like we were talking about it before we started recording the 2017 matchup when FSU lost 31 to 14. That one wasn't the score isn't representative of how FSU played that game. Uh, Clemson got out to a 17-0 lead in the first half. Then Florida State came back and scored 14 unanswered points. 
and was able to get a uh, fumble in late in the fourth, or was it midway through the fourth quarter or so? Yep. And then on the first play after that fumble, James Blackman threw a pick, and that was it. Exactly. The game turned right around from there. Clemson scored a touchdown. Then Florida State turned over on downs. Clemson scored another touchdown on three plays, and then that was the game at 31-14. So these games do just just flip on just flip on and off depending on what happens. Exactly, and that's what I was going to say too, is it's just going back to my turnover argument before was it helped out FSU and it hurt FSU. Mm-hmm. Very first play, James Blackman, they had the ball on the 40-yard line. I think the ball got intercepted on uh, the uh, pl- uh, play-by-play sheet set on the 18-yard line. So they should have had the ball at the 18-yard line. for Cle- They should have been 18 yards away from scoring. Instead, it was intercepted. So it helps you and it also kills you. Mm-hmm. And let's let's go back to a bit of this Clemson or the Clemson uh, UNC game because they looked vulnerable. Sam Howell somehow and Mac Brown had an answer for the Tigers. They had something. They and if that makes that's what kind of creep crept into my mind today that if UNC was able to do that, if UNC was able to hold the Tigers to twenty one points and were able to put up twenty, should have been twenty one points. FSU can do that too, but it's just how much time does Clemson have to prepare, and what do you have on that? For sure, I mean that that's definitely one area that you could look at. Like many people do believe that UNC is not as talented a team as FSU is. I mean it's really comparing to two of the the more middling programs in the conference, but still they were a successful two point conversion away from knocking off the then number one team in the nation. But I feel like that that's not really something you can look towards or look put a lot of hope into with the bye week that Clemson has had with with the added time that they've had to look into why they were so close to losing that game and I mean I, I wouldn't discount the possibility of FSU putting off a similar performance but I'm not too confident in that happening mm-hmm. and in that game I believe UNC won the turnover battle yes it was one fumble for Clemson that was the only turnover Trevor Lawrence didn't throw a pick neither did Sam Howell and Clemson or the Tar Heels did not fumble the ball so that's what kept him in that game, and if Clemson doesn't fumble, that, if NTN doesn't fumble that ball, I think Clemson easily wins by another score. So, it's it's that's what's gonna ultimately decide this game. Right, kind of like the game from two years ago. You're possibly mm-hmm. a, a play or two away, just like North Carolina was a play or two. It was literally just one play away from winning mm-hmm. the two point conversion. Yeah. Uh, Keep going. Unfortunately, and kind of what you were asking Austin before, you would like to say that Mac Brown. Handled Clemson, or yeah, handled Clemson and figured out how to stop them. I think that a small part of it is about that. I think, and a, a huge part of it is just Clemson coming out not focused, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And when we did talk with Sam uh, or Amy McKenna, sorry, I don't know why I said Sam, but when we talked with Amy yesterday, she said Clemson's good for this one game a year, and we all see it. They did it last year, I believe it was uh, Syracuse. The year before was Pitt, mm-hmm. or one of the two. Flip them either way, but they're good for one of those scares every year. But those two years, I believe those they lost those two games those years. They definitely yeah. lost a pit. I'm not sure about Syracuse. They last lost year. to Syracuse. They lost to Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. Yes. So they they're good for a loss a year. UNC didn't beat them. And yes, granted it was a scare, but they don't have that loss yet on their schedule. Maybe Florida State can deliver that loss. And one person and one factor that's going to help deliver possibly deliver that loss is going to be James Blackman. He's coming back from his injury again that he uh, suffered against Louisville. It was a MCL sprain, 
most likely grade one. I don't think we ever got the answer on the grade. And then a bone bruise. So he's going to be back for this week. He practiced all last week during the bye week. And in the Monday press conference, Taggart said, Blackman is healthy. Blackman will be starting this game against the Tigers. But we will run a two QB system. So what are you guys' thoughts on this two QB system that's going to be coming out there? And how much time do you think Hornibrook will be getting? Well, I I have no idea how much time he'll be getting. I'm sure we'll see him more than what we saw against uh, yeah against Louisville. In the first half. In the first half, because of, of course Obviously, he, yeah. Second half, he played the whole time because that's because uh, Blackman suffered the injury. Mm-hmm. Right. I believe he was scheduled for two series, though. I'm sure we'll see him for more than two series this time. I just find it kind of curious and confusing because I two quarterback systems have never seemed to work in college. Mm-hmm. And if it did work, you would think that it would be because one guy is a pocket passer and one guy is a scrambler. You know, like, with one guy you can just run a regular pro-style offense and suddenly switch it up and now you're running the triple option. Well, and that's what they have with Hornibrook. And Grand Hornibrook tried to do a little bit of a pocket passer kind of. His inter- his imitation of a pocket passer when he held the ball on for a bit too long <laughs> in NC State's game. But hopefully he can realize, hey, that's not me. That's not my style of play. And changes it up and goes and goes back to his scrambler mentality. And definitely, I mean that's that's one way that you can put more ple- more pressure on Clemson during their bye week by being not too clear about how much pl- how much playing time each quarterback is going to get. But it's it's also kind of curious to me that they just are, are keeping Hornybrook in in the game plan because James Blackman was your starter at the beginning of the year. The guys love him. He's one of the undisputed leaders of this team. So I mean, the fact that they're still putting Hornybrook in in any situation really is kind of confusing. Exactly. And like you said, he's the leader of the team. What happens when what happens when there's five minutes left in the game and you have to go down and try to score a touchdown at the last second? Who's your leader right there? I mean, is it Blackman? Is he, are you giving him the reins for those last five minutes for the for the four-minute offense? Or are you still going to juggle it between the two? And if you are juggling it between the two, then I just feel like you don't want that inconsistency with your offense of a different guy coming into the huddle every series. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about this with a friend earlier today, and my friend mentioned to me he doesn't like this system because of the way it really can affect the quarterback's mind. Mm-hmm. It can affect either guy's head because if he m- makes a mistake, he'll me he could possibly immediately look to that sideline and be like, "I'm going to get pulled here." Yep. The next guy, either whether it be Hornibrook or Blackman, he's going to take my job. Like this is like I just lost it with that interception or with that incomplete pass. So there can be a little bit of a mental toll and hope and. I could see that because you want your quarterback to kind of play carefree, or not really carefree, but worry-free during the game. And with another guy over your shoulder, it can bring in some doubt, it can bring in some worry, but it can also bring out the best in your quarterback because I am, I'm on the side that, uh, that believes competition only brings out the best in people in terms of talent and in terms of uh, playing ability. I know it sometimes doesn't bring out the best emotionally in people and emotional or and uh attitude wise but if james blackman knows that hey hornybrook can maybe steal his job at some point he's going to want to go out there and show up and he's going to want to play his butt off in this game and this is and he played well the last time he was in death valley or played well enough to possibly earn florida state a win he threw for 208 yards and a touchdown and he granted he did have that one pick but he managed the game well enough to keep florida state in it and that's the biggest thing that FSU needed in that game. Just someone to manage and keep them in. So 
I don't. Do you guys agree? You do you guys agree with the way that this has been decided? I mean, I've seen nothing from James Blackman or Hornybrook so far to suggest that they would be the ki- the kind of person to start self-deprecating themselves or self-deprecating mm-hmm. uh, whenever they uh, pull off a bad play or see the other guy doing well in their stead. But it's it's like you mentioned, um, they're more the type of people to be more amped up by competition. I would hope, um, but that's that's really the one the one saving grace for this two quarterback system for me. Otherwise, I would not really be a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Do you agree or disagree, Alex? I, I, I think I disagree, especially for a game like this, because just like what I said before, you want to know what your role is. You want to know I'm the leader going in to crunch time. And if you're one of the receivers, one of the running backs, offensive linemen, who is my leader going into crunch time? Is it Hornibrook or is it Blackman? I, I am curious to see, like, and I might ask Coach to this on Thursday when we get to speak to him, what is your plan for... I'm sure he won't give us the answer to this, but... <laughs> no, he would never. No, but <laughs> hypothetically, what is um, the plan? Like, is James Blackman your closer, basically? Mm-hmm. I, I think he would be the closer in this situation. You've got to trust your guy. And Blackman, but by him saying that Blackman is starting this game, I think it proves to everyone that he is still the guy for this team. But I do also like this 2QB system because it can catch Clemson a little off guard. Because if, say, let's... Let's say Florida State scores on their first or second drive with Blackman. Blackman plays the first two drives. He scores on one of on the second one. You throw in Hornibrook on the next. They they would be expecting Blackman to come back out again. You throw Hornibrook in, kind of catches them off guard. Maybe you can take advantage of them for a couple plays before they start getting all their notes in order. And that's what ha- I mean. That's what happened when Hornibrook came in against uh, Louisville. He scored on the second play that he was in. So. It took Louisville a little bit of time to readjust their uh, sheets and get ready for it. And I have a question for you guys. As a defense, do you think it screws up your mentality a lot and your um, your strategy a lot when you go from a right-handed quarterback suddenly to a left-handed quarterback? I think it could because you're gonna put diff- you're gonna flip your defense almost because, or at least the defensive line and the blitzes because you want to put your stronger guys on the now the weak on the weak side or whatever on the on the quarterback's blind spot. So you could really affect their blitz packages, and you could possibly get guys where you want them to be if you're Florida State. So I think it can. I'm in the exact same boat. I mean, people wouldn't think that it's too big of a difference. Like, oh, if no matter which hand or which hand a guy throws a ball with, like the, the job of the defensive back is to intercept it. But it's, it's a lot more deeper than that. But I also think where the defense can be affected, I think the O-line can just as well be affected. Mm-hmm. Because if you go from one guy to the other then you're switching up who's the blindside blocker exactly. and who's not. And most and obviously Florida State's blindside blocker is usually the guy on the left. So now it's the guy on the right, so he's got to take up a different responsibility and understand that responsibility that he now has. And sometimes when the game's mo- if the game is moving too fast for you, if you just lose focus for half a second, you could forget that you're his blindside now. Right, you could kind of forget who your quarterback is. Exactly. And that could lead to a game-changing turnover, like exactly. we were talking about before. Yeah, it could lead to a strip sack. It could lead to a possible force, a bad throw, which Hornibrook was doing the other game. So mm-hmm. it could happen. Yeah, I guess it'll come all down to who prepares better, the offensive line for their own quarterback or the defensive line for the opposing quarterback. Yeah, and I... Once again, I we obviously don't know how this game is going to turn out, and that's what's a little bit frustrating. And I do, we do have some conflicting thoughts, and at least for me, I have conflicting thoughts on how this game will end up. I just, who do you guys believe will be the one guy to step up for either team in this one, if regardless of who wins? 
Who do you think is going to be the difference maker this game? I'm going to pass this off to Alex. <laughs> okay. I think it's going to be, on offense at least, K-makers. Mm-hmm. I think that, and this is just me throwing out cliches, I don't think running backs are as affected in a road environment like this as a quarterback would be. Uh, I, Cam Akers has been great all year. He's already surpassed his uh, career high for all-purpose touchdowns and catching and or for receiving and rushing, and we're only five games in. Uh, and I think this will be the game where he finally has his big FSU moment because he's been great, but he hasn't had that FSU moment, like Dalvin Cook against mm-hmm. Miami with that big comeback. I think if FSU wins, it'll be because Cam Akers had an FSU moment. Camp Makers is kind of where I was leaning as well, especially since the last time these two teams did play in Clemson. He only had 12 carries for 40 yards, so definitely wanting to improve on that performance. But I'm going to go on the other, I was going to say other side, other element of the offense and say to Marion Terry for the wide receivers, because FSU's passing game, it's been better than seasons past, so I, I would I would lean on him to kind of abuse Clemson's D-backs if possible. Actually, just kind of to add on to the to Marion Terry comment. What I like about this team, and we haven't had this in a while here, is that we're really deep with wide receivers. So there's not really one guy that Clemson can game plan against because you have Terry having big games. You also have Ontario Wilson having big games. The team is a lot deeper than a lot of people thought at the beginning of the season because after losing Naquan Murray, um, people were thinking, oh, is Keith Gavin going to be the number one receiver? Yeah. This kind of horror story, but... It's been a, it's been a pleasant surprise so far mm-hmm. in terms of the receivers. Okay, and I th- I'm going to jump over to the other side of the ball here for both. I got two guys, so I got one for Clemson if they win, and one for Florida State if they win. For Clemson, it's going to be Isaiah Simmons. He's their leading tackler from last year, and he's the leading tackler currently this year. He's a linebacker for them. I believe he flipped around last year from linebacker to safety. So he's been so he could do a lot, and he did come up. He did play very well in their last game against UNC. He had ten total tackles, five five of which were solo, one sack, and two and a half tackles for loss, and one pass defense. So the dude was all over the place, and he is going to be the guy to wreak havoc, I believe, if Clemson does end up playing the way that a lot of people expect them to play. A lot of people expect them to be covering that twenty-seven point spread which I believe is still egregious. That is yeah, we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, that is just ridiculous. But for Florida State, I think it's going to be Marvin. It's going to be Marvin Wilson on the defensive line. This game is going to be won by either team's defense. That's what it's going to really come down to. And I think if Marvin can really make his presence known in the backfield with Trevor Lawrence and Travis Ntn, it's really going to cause some problems for them. And that's where Clemson can fall apart. If you can get that pressure on a young quarterback. Everyone's still forgetting Trevor Lawrence is only a sophomore. He's only, was he 19? Maybe still 18? I think he's he's 19, but yeah. Still, like, he sh- he will have problems. Like, he's a kid still. He cannot buy a beer legally <laughs> in any place except for Canada and the Bahamas right now, if we're talking North America, at least. He, there should be some chinks in this dude's armor. No kid, no kid is perfect. No player is perfect, no man is perfect, no woman is perfect. So I think if Marvin can really cause those issues back there, it will really benefit FSU, and it will be the difference maker. But another guy, if we're talking one more guy, I'm going to throw him out there, Amari Gaynor. He really played well in that NC State game. He stepped up. He got a big, was it, he had a fumble recovery in that game. He was pretty much everywhere. He had nine total tackles, six solos, two sacks, and two and a half tackles for loss. So he really stepped up when his name was called. He was the uh, 
was it the ACC Rookie of the Week? Is that right? Yeah, ACC Rookie or Freshman of the Week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was he really played up to his potential that game because there was we've had some problems. On, Florida State has had some problems on the edge because of now with uh, was or Janarius gone, then uh, Dontavis Jackson having some issues, just flipping him in and out because of maybe some personal problems. I, I don't know if they'd be personal problems, personal fouls, probably right. the right way to say that. But he's really kind of started to plug some gaps that Florida State needs to plug. So he can. I think he can maybe have an impact too this game. But like I said, this game is going to be won on the defensive side of the ball. Any last thoughts on this? On player of the game, possibly? I mean... Nothing else? All right. I, I think we head into predictions. Yeah, I think we can head into some predictions. I... So let's just jump right into it. I had Florida last night when on Tomahawk <laughs> Talk. I said Florida State is going to lose this game, forty three thirty three. So I kind of have to stick with that. I can't throw out two scores because that's just I know I, I, that's just that's stupid of me to do that. So that's my prediction for it. I'm now kind of doubting my prediction. I don't know if that's going to be a hundred percent right, but. I think that's what's going to go down. At least that's what I thought last night. It could be it, by Saturday when uh, me, myself, or myself, Luke Fay, and Thomas Martinez all get down to Death Valley, I could have a whole completely different number. I could be 43-33 FSU. <laughs> so I really don't know how this game is going to end up, and it's just going to be a whirlwind of a day or a weekend. Alex, what do you got? Yeah, I still, even after... All the numbers that I threw at you guys in the beginning of the show, I still have Clemson 38, FSU 21. I just think, I think FSU's going to score. I I don't think it's going to be the bloodbath that it was last year. I think it'll be hard to top that. Um, I think they'll score, but I also think Clemson is going to carve us up on the ground game. Um, And yeah, I think they're going to get their points. Awesome. Yeah, we're pretty close in that regard. My prediction last night was 37-20 for Clemson, so same spread, just one one point less for each team. I I want to revise that to make it a little more narrow for FSU, just based on what we've talked about here and the, the, the hope that that video has instilled in me. But if I put a field goal up there, then I don't really have faith in Ricky Aguayo to hit all three field goals. <laughs> so... <laughs> and I don't want to put a touchdown up on the board either because I feel like that's way too much. So I'm going to stick with my guns. 37-20. Okay. okay. And I'm going to do a little something new here because we haven't done this on the show yet. I want you guys to show me the money. So we're looking at the gambling picks for this week. Oh, boy. Florida State is plus 27. I don't believe any of us had them, the Tigers covering that. So we know our answer there. Clemson is also minus 3,500 on the money line, according to ESPN. This is according to ESPN. We all have them covering that. That's going to be a, you're going to have to put down a lot of money if you want to make some back on that. Yes. Florida State, to compare, Florida State is plus 1,300. So put down 10 bucks. You can make a nice little payday there. So if you're, on, if you're feeling the way that Alex and I are feeling at the moment, you can maybe make a quick 130 by putting down a 10. Yep. And then the over-under, 60.5. I, I had it coming. Or I, What was your numbers again? 37.20, and then he was 31.28. Or 38.21, my bad. 38.21. Thirty. 37.20. 37.20. So we're both under. Yeah, you're both under. I am over. I don't like taking unders, so that's what I got there. You guys don't see this happening. I personally love, love overs, but I don't know. Death Valley can be a different beast. And ESPN also has on their matchup predictor, they have 
Clemson 93.8% to win. Yeah. FSU 6.2. Yeah, it's, um, that's a lot of orange on that graph right there. Yeah, they have a, I was like, why is there a big orange circle on this? There's <laughs> <laughs> a very thin garnet line right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks more like the Hokies helmets right there. But yeah, <laughs> one of the, if they unveiled an orange alternate helmet. But yeah, it's going to be a wild weekend. Hopefully for the Florida State fans out there. They can pull out a win, but who knows? Tiger will be looking for his big first, his first statement win. Because I know we said at the FSV, we said on the Twitter after they beat BC with that walk-off win pretty much, that this was Taggart's first statement win when they beat the number 20 BC Eagles. We got a lot of flack for that on Twitter. That, that never really amounted to anything. No, it did not, but we got a lot of flack. We knew, we kind of knew we were like gaslighting some people with that tweet, but People didn't think that, didn't really agree with us. Some people were like, they were good, happy to see the team win. Others were, others. a lot of Gator fans were like, what does this mean? FSU's, there's <laughs> a statement win is against the Eagles, BC Eagles. So this is, this is the real chance at a statement win for Willie Taggart. And it can happen. It, it would also, happen. it would also be his first sod game. Yeah. It, well, That's true. Well, he had a sod game, uh, shoot, he had a sod game against Virginia. Virginia was technically a sod game, too. Well, it's a sod game victory. Oh, a sod game. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had chances at sod games, but like he did against Virginia because a sod game constitutes being an underdog or going into a ri- or an underdog against a ranked opponent or going into a rival's house. Right, or whether, a bowl game. So or technically, the, the Independence Bowl against Southern Mississippi oh, is boy. a sod game. That was a turf game because it was played on AstroTurf. Fun fact. <laughs> Now, I do think that if FSU wins this one, I think we just tear up the entire field and then bring it back to Tallahassee, the yes. entire field. That's I think that's the only way you could do it yes. because this would be de- – I would, I would say it would be demoralizing if Clemson loses this game. I don't know if you guys agree, but you, absolutely. if you're a Clemson Tiger fan, if you are a Clemson Tiger player, if you are Dabo Sweeney, if you are the AD, if you are the president, if you are some guy who likes to wear orange, this game – you cannot lose. This is a can't-lose game, not a must-win. This is a can't-lose. <laughs> well, see, I, I agree with you because Florida State isn't the Florida State that they were a few years ago, but, you know, they they lost to Syracuse, they lost to Pitt, and they still wound up doing fine. I think this would really suck for Clemson if they lost, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And then we're going to end it off after this last question, but is this the year where the winner of the Florida State uh, Clemson matchup doesn't win the ACC if Florida State wins. If Florida State wins, because they'd already be de- FSU is down two losses in total win column, one loss in the conference. So, do you think Florida State would be able to win the ACC if they win this game? I know this is the big optimistic picture here that we're looking at, but is because every year was it? What was the? I don't know if you have the exact number, but like I, it feels like the past five. Let's just say at, at least. least. I know it's the last five. Clemson has one lost four of these matchups. I don't know if we mentioned that beforehand. But this game decides the conference generally. I believe it's longer than five years. Uh, I have it. No, because, yeah, it would be longer than five because it was at least up to 2013, probably longer than that. Right. I just, right. So it, we can, I think it would probably, I think it would probably go up to maybe 2010. I feel like 2010 might be the number. I'm not 100% sure, but this game really does decide. Austin, do you think, the, if Florida State wins, is this the year this series doesn't decide the conference winner? 
I think this this would be the year for the trend to be broken because, like you said, FSU is behind. What was it? Two total wins and one win in the conference. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So I, that's that's a lot of ground to make up against a Clemson team that is going to be very motivated after this supposed loss against FSU. So I, I believe that even if FSU were to win this game, then Clemson would win the conference outright. Do you think this would be the the rebirth of Clemsoning? Because <laughs> I know Dabo called Clemsoning dead uh, a couple of years ago when they won the national title or made it to the national title game. But this, I think this would be the rebirth of Clemsoning if they... Uh, lose this game. And, and for those that don't know, Clemsoning was the term given to the Tigers when they would be on a roll, they would be there they have a lot of upside and then they lose a lose a game and then everything just snowballs and then they just fall apart at the towards the back half of seasons. So would the you guys think this would be the rebirth of it? I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. I think it's possible. Um and, and also by the way, I looked it up. It was 2011 was the first year that uh, the winner of the okay. game has won, went on to win the ACC. All right. So yeah, did you think that this would happen or that would happen again? So hypothetically, FSU only has one loss in the conference. Mm-hmm. Clemson would also have a loss in the conference. Do they go by tiebreakers of head to head? I would I assume believe they do. I would assume so. So FSU would then get the Atlantic Division. The Coastal's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, though, no one else on FSU's schedule, at least in the conference, is, scares me that much. Definitely not as much as Clemson. Yeah, if if Florida State can beat Clemson, I would be confident with them playing against Wake. And I know Wake's undefeated as of right now, and they're playing some darn good football, but they're no Clemson Tigers at the end of the day. No. Absolutely not. And just like how a loss against Florida State, you said, might break Clemson, I think that winning against Clemson would just rejuvenate everything for FSU. I think they would. I think they already believe in the coaching staff, definitely mm. a lot more than last year, but I think this would really, like, okay, we're here. Like, we're here, we'll listen to anything you say, coach. And it'll just give them the extra juice they need to beat Wake Forest and anyone else in their way. What do you think will happen to that, uh, that little kid if that was selling the lemonade if Tiger beats the Tigers? <laughs> I, don't, I think he kind of, I don't know what he can do. There's, he has no more argument. He has, I think he has to give Willie Taggart all the money that he raised. His dad would have to issue a very regretful public apology. Yes, he would. Yes, I do think that if FSU in the next few years goes back to a New Year's Six Bowl or even uh, a national championship, I do think he needs to get in front. I think he needs to get on the podium during the trophy celebration and just issue what you said, a formal apology in front of the ABC cameras. Could you credit this kid, if Florida State does begin to turn it around, could you credit this kid for turning around the FSU could this, program? Could this <laughs> kid... be bulletin board material? Yes, is this kid the <laughs> Nick Saban bulletin board material that FSU needed? Is this the new uh, promissory note that uh, Jimbo Fisher gave out a few years ago? Maybe. Could be. Maybe. All right. Let's stop it with the Tiger talk, with the FSU football talk, because we've done this for close to 40 minutes now. I think that's the longest we've done football talk on this show. (laughs) Let's jump into the other football and FSU soccer. The girls have been playing well. They've continued to play well, and this is a tough week for them. They take on the two teams from Virginia. Virginia Tech, I believe, is that tomorrow or is that actually it's, tonight? It's on Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, shoot. I don't know why. I got my days all mixed up. Uh, but they take on Virginia Tech on Thursday and then they take on the Who's, the Cavaliers, this weekend. The top ranked Cavaliers. The number one Cavaliers. And they're number one in both men's and women. So they got some good programs down there or up there in Charlottesville. So Florida State Soccer, they haven't lost since they came back from that road trip. We mentioned this last week. Where, where do we see the women or the women finishing out this week? 
I think that's going to be hard. Like what you said, they have that whole mid-Atlantic region, which is always hard for women's soccer. Mm-hmm. They have number 20 Virginia Tech. They have number one Virginia. I, I think it's going to be really hard. Virginia is at home uh, during the day on Sunday. I think that it's going to be really hard. I think I, I kind of see it how I originally saw that California road trip where I thought they were going to go one and one. Hopefully they'll fare a little better here. But um, no, I think they'll do fine. Mm-hmm. Do, do we want to just jump into score predictions? I know we're kind of running a bit short on time. I know this isn't a time-based show, though. <laughs> um, I think with Virginia Tech, I, I would like to point out against Pitt, their last game, they outshot Pitt 19-2. to Yes. Mm-hmm. So their defense, now granted Pitt isn't the greatest team, but their defense is really improving from mm-hmm. that, that beginning of the season road trip against UCLA and USC. So I think that their defense will keep them in the game. I'm just a little concerned about the offense because their offense has scored one goal in each of their last two games. They scored two against Clemson, which is nice. I think that as long as their defense shows up, I, I trust Caroline Jeffers and the rest of the defense. Um, my overall score prediction, though, probably probably 2-1 in favor of FSU against Virginia Tech. And then, okay, let's keep going with Virginia Tech. Yeah, keep going on that one. That's kind of where I'm leaning as well because the team is coming off. I would argue their most complete performance of the year, even if the scoreboard doesn't really reflect that, because like you said, Alex, they outshot Pitt 19-2, to 9-1 in corners, 5-1 to in shots on goal, so Pitt was never really in a position to do much of anything on offense, so I think the team is still going to be a little juiced from that performance against Virginia Tech, and I also have them taking home a 2-1 victory. Okay. I... It only takes one to win a game, so true, true. Yeah, so I think FSU. I think they're going to come out of this one. It's going to be a tough one. They're going up to Blacksburg. Virginia Tech is the number twenty team in the nation. People forget, and it's going to be a night game for them, seven thirty p.m. kick. And I think they get on another one nothing win. I think they just come out, get a win, come back to Tallahassee for Sunday. That's all it. That's all they need. They don't need to try and do too much. Get a goal early. Get a goal, and then park the bus. Park the bus in the back and the defensive zone and just keep Virginia Tech out of the round out of around the 18. So, I think if they can do that, they'll be fine. Let's jump over to the Virginia game now. Virginia is going to be a tough one. It's a 1 o'clock game, so the weather might be in Florida State's favor, but Virginia Tech is a very good ball club. What do we got on them? See, this is tough because, I mean... The numbers that come with the territory of being number one are scary. UVA has conceded only four goals to scoring 41 all season, and they've done that on 211 shots, whereas FSU has taken 222 shots and scored 10 less goals. So they're scoring UVA is at a very high rate um, and not conceding a lot, uh, obviously. They're, the only goal they've conceded in, in ACC play so far is the Wake Forest. But they on, tied that game to Wake Forest. They won did, one. Yes. They tied that game. And so. I, I was going to mention, UVA's in-conference performance hasn't been that great because mm-hmm. FSU is undefeated in, in conference, but UVA has drawn against both Wake Forest and Duke, so could be vulnerable a little bit, the one thing, The one thing that Virginia doesn't have on their record is a loss, and That's FSU true. has two of those. That's true. So they do have where they do have two ties, Florida State has two losses, but FSU's two losses were to very good clubs out west. Mm-hmm. So... That's what else you got in mind. You said you, had, yeah, you said I, before I, we sh- we started the show. You said I have more uh, soccer stats <laughs> than I have football stats yeah, this week. So I think that's coming to fruition right now. Let's hear them all. I have like a whole <laughs> wall of soccer stats. But the thing that most concerns me is that UVA has seven players with at least three goals this season. They're led by, I believe, Diana Ordonez with twelve and Megan McCool with eight. 
Just to put that in perspective, FSU's leading scorer, Dana Castellanos, has seven on the season. So those are two players, at the very least, that FSU's going to need to shut down, or that it's going to be a long night. Or afternoon, rather, because it's one o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, Virginia 2, FSU 0 Ooh. for that one. Wow. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I, I was at least going to give FSU a goal in this one. I think that... um. I just need to see more out of the offense. I think the offense has been has been pretty good, but again, like I, Syracuse and Pitt aren't exactly world stoppers, and they managed to score one goal against each of them. Doesn't mean the offense is bad, but it does mean that when you run into the number one team in the nation, I kind of find it hard to believe that they'll score anything more than one at the very most. Mm-hmm. All right, so two one for Alex Austin. I have this as a three two victory for Virginia. I believe that. This match is going to come with all the spectacle, all the fanfare of a top five matchup. FSU is going to find their groove, but it won't be enough to get the win. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change it up a little bit. Some people don't think FSU is going to win this game. I think FSU is going to win this game. I respect I, it. It's This is upset weekend for Florida State. <laughs> FSU football takes on the number two Clemson Tigers. Florida State soccer takes on the number one Virginia Cavaliers. It's upset weekend. This is the time for Florida State to turn it all around. I know Florida State soccer doesn't need to turn it around because they're already a good program. But I think the Seminoles win 1-0. I think they just get a 1-0. They figure out how to stop the Cavaliers, something that not too many teams have done. Duke's done it before, and that's the only team that has shut out Virginia. Maybe they take a long, hard look at that Duke tape, but I think it's possible to shut down this team. And I know you threw out some big numbers about their scoring. 41-4. And it's impressive. It is a very impressive stat, but everyone has days. Everyone has every dog has its days, and I think this is the Cavaliers' day to go one nil. How sweet would it be if Clemson was still ranked number one, and the the unthinkable happened in both scenarios? And that'd be wild. Yeah. Oh, it would be a great day for FSU Twitter, and I would lead the way. Yes, sir. <laughs> but sadly, that would be on a Saturday and then Sunday, so it'd be one heck of a weekend for everyone on FSU right. Twitter. So, is there anything else we got on this series? Or this week for FSU soccer? I just want to throw out one more thing. FSU is undefeated when they're at full strength. The the California road trip, Mark Recorian pointed out, and he wasn't shying away from how big of an impact it was. Coaches don't usually say that one player has this big of an impact, but Coach Krikorian was saying it. Heather Payne was on uh, international. international duty. Mm-hmm. He said that when she came back, the, the defense was at its full strength. They were able to do what they wanted to do. And that's when they allowed only one goal to Florida and then shut out Sanford, and they've been they've been pretty close to dominant since then. Mm-hmm. Grant, they did have 3-2 win where they gave up two goals to Colorado and then four goals to Boston College at home. I think that's a little shock to them, but they've settled down since they've only given up one goal in against Clemson, number nine Clemson, in Clemson, and then zero to Syracuse and zero to Pitt. So I think this is the upset weekend for the Seminoles. Grant, I don't predict that for FSU football, but... <laughs> My in my heart, it's upset weekend. They can at least keep it close, maybe. I I think yeah, football will keep it close. We'll see how that goes. But FSU soccer, I think they're gonna win this game. It's one nil. It's gonna be a fun weekend for all FSU sports. Yeah. So enjoy the weekend. That's all we got. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk and Chop. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FSU Sports. Also subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.